today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You have to understand that Jeremiah has been given a prophetic glimpse into the future of what's going to happen. And he's prophesying it, and he's proclaiming it, and what he's saying publicly, vocally, verbally to them is that he weeps and wails, because you see all of this, it's going to be burned up. You know, you hear those sounds, they're gone. The birds, they're gone. It's going to become a heap of ruins. What are some of the things that God has created that you easily take for granted? Today you learn in Pastor J.D.'s message to tune into the beauty that God has surrounded you with. The sounds of the birds and streams of water are easily overlooked. Take time to praise God for all that He's created. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 9 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. One of the reasons why I wanted to take these two chapters together is because starting in chapter 7, on through chapter 10, and this is important, and I'll explain why in a moment. Jeremiah is publicly prophesying at the gates, entering the temple there in Jerusalem, as he declares to them the judgment coming upon them. Now here's why that's important, because like on Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of James, verse by verse. Now, the book of James was a letter, an epistle if you prefer, that was written. This that we're going to look at tonight was not written, rather it was spoken. It was spoken publicly there at the entrance to the temple. And I want you to picture in your mind's eye a massive amount of people. And if you want, I think it would be very appropriate to even picture in your mind's eye a street preacher. His name, Jeremiah. And there he is. He's he's standing on a I'm not going to use soapbox. I don't think they had soapboxes then. A platform, some kind of a riser, whatever you want to use. Use your imagination, your God-given imagination. Reminds me of, uh, this is a long time ago. I want to say it was 1997. My wife and I were in England on our way to Egypt, and they have this place called Hyde's Park. And in Hyde's Park, maybe you've heard of it, it's called Speaker's Corner. And there's all of these speakers there at Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park, and they bring their whatever it is, and they stand on it, and they just start speaking. And as you might imagine, my, my wife, well, she had to actually get me out of there, because I was looking for something to stand on so that I could start preaching the gospel. She said, don't do that. I mean, you had you had Muslims, of course, a lot of Muslims in, in London, in England. And, you know, they're, they're just standing up there and they're speaking. And you've got all kinds of people speaking about all kinds of things. Some of them had a large crowd, some of them not so large of a crowd. 
Some gathered to listen to what <laughs> it was. It was actually um, brutal because there was a lot of heckling going on too. And I mean, you know, people heckling and questioning, especially the Christians. Of course, there were many Christians there preaching the gospel. And Satan's always at the ready with his people, demon-possessed people, to disrupt and disturb and distract. And so there's these mockers and scoffers as this precious evangelist is simply wanting to preach the gospel. I'm going into quite a description, but for good reason, because this is what Jeremiah was doing. We're going to study two chapters tonight, and don't see them as a letter written, rather see them as a declaration spoken. And that's going to change the whole complexion of what we're going to see here tonight. I'll just take it one step further, just real quick. Imagine the people that were there, again, masses of people there at the gates to the entrance to the temple. I wonder if there were those who were heckling him. Of course there were. I wonder if there were mockers that were mocking him. Of course they were. But what did Jeremiah do? He just stayed on message. And he kept speaking this prophecy, this, let me say, unpopular prophecy. That's an understatement, as we're going to see. And he just preached the words that God put on his mouth, in his mouth, to speak. And he knew it would not be received, and it wasn't, but he was faithful to speak it. And so as we go through this, imagine Jeremiah there on some raised platform, declaring this, speaking this in the hearing of the people. And as we do, you're going to see, oh my goodness, how many people walked by Jeremiah just like, come on, get out of here. What are you doing here? Give me a break. Joking with their friends. Look at this guy. Listen to what he's saying. That, no way. Way? What do you mean way? Well, this is a prophecy. And the prophetic parallels are as stunning as they are chilling, specifically concerning all the nations trembling at the wrath of God. Now, one more thing before we jump in. In going through these two chapters, it is of paramount importance that we see this through tearful eyes and not a condemning heart which is what Jeremiah does, as we see now, verse 1. Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, verse 2, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers, that I might leave my people and go from them, for they are all adulterers and assembly of treacherous men. Can you just feel the intensity of the heartbreak and the pain on the part of Jeremiah? Now again, he's oh so much easier to just email this 
right? No, He's speaking this. And they're hearing Him say this with tears in His eyes. In fact, you almost get the impression that He's crying so much He's got no more tears. He's he's out of tears. The fountain is run dry. And the pain is so intense that he, he just wants to somehow escape. Oh, that there was a place somewhere out in the wilderness, I don't care, just far away from here, far away from these people. It's so painful. You ever felt like that, where you, where you just wanted to escape? Verse 3, and like their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. Look at the imagery here. This is interesting. They are not valiant for the truth on the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil. Oh my, that reads like our news feeds, does it not? They proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, says the Lord. Everyone take heed to his neighbor, and do not trust any brother For every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanderers. Everyone, verse 5, will deceive his neighbor, and will not speak the truth. And how about this picture? (laughs) They have taught their tongue to speak lies. Wait, what? Oh yeah, they've been teaching their tongue. What have they been teaching their tongue to do? Oh, they've been teaching their tongue to speak lies. And how about this one? They weary themselves to commit iniquity. Translated, in their committing iniquity they have exhausted themselves. They have wearied themselves. They are so tired committing iniquity. Look, there's such a thing as a good tired. I mean, where you're just broken bread and poured out wine, and you're spent and you're exhausted, but it's a good exhausted. This is not a good exhausted. They've exhausted themselves. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. Man, that's tenacious. That's That's deliberate. At the end of the day, they are so exhausted, so tired. Why are you so tired? I'm so tired and weary from committing iniquity. Your dwelling place, verse 6, is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, says the Lord. Again, notice, this is deliberate, this is decisive, this is not unwittingly. Through deceit they refuse. This is a refusal. They refuse to know me because they're deceived. That's the reason. And what an apt description again of our day. Would you agree? Which is why sadly this world is ripe for judgment. Therefore, verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will refine them and try them, for how shall I deal with the daughter of my people? Their tongue is an arrow shot out, it speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in his heart 
he lies in wait. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? Verse 10, this is Jeremiah again, and this is why it's so important to understand that he's not writing this, he's speaking this. Listen to what he says. I will take up a weeping and wailing for the mountains and for the dwelling places of the wilderness, a lamentation because they are burned up so that no one can pass through, nor can men hear the voice of the cattle. Both the birds of the heavens and the beasts have fled, they're gone. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a den of jackals. I will make the cities of Judah desolate without an inhabitant. Uh, let's give me a, a moment here. We'll, I need to spend just a couple moments on this. First of all, do you realize everything we just read in these two verses we take for granted every single day? The birds, the sound of the birds. Not the minor birds, I'm talking about, the, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, you know how I feel about minor birds. I'm pretty sure they're not going to be in heaven. They're so obnoxious and irritating. But how about the, uh, the doves, the cooing of the doves? The mountains, they're burned up. The beautiful, the Kolau mountain range, as lush and green as it is, as majestic as it is. We take it for granted all the time. When we first moved here, some uh, going on almost 20 years ago now, it's hard to believe when I moved my Kailua girl back to Kailua. And I remember a conversation we were having in the car as we were coming through the tunnel. And I mean, just that breathtaking view as you come out, the bright teal color of the ocean, and you're coming out and you, you see those mountains, and I mean, it's just breathtaking. And I remember this conversation I had with my wife. I said, honey, I never want to not appreciate this. I hope I never take the beauty of these islands, of this island, of this scene for granted. In the morning, the windows are open, you're having coffee, you're having your devotions, and you hear the cooing of the doves until the minor birds come in. <laughs> That's the last time I'm going to mention. Although there's another problem now. Have you noticed there's more feral chickens lately? Is it just me? What in the world? Anyway, it just mars the beauty, you know, of, you don't hear all you hear. Anyway, that's, mm. but you know, I, I thought to myself, and I said to my wife, I said, I, I never want to take this for granted. It's so soothing and calming and peaceful and beautiful and wonderful. And, and then sure enough, one day I just didn't hear them anymore. Oh, they were still there. I just didn't hear him anymore. And then how many times did I drive through the tunnel and not notice the beauty of the ocean before me and the mountains beside me? I did the very thing that I had taken for granted. 
You have to understand that Jeremiah has been given a prophetic glimpse into the future of what's going to happen. And he's prophesying it, and he's proclaiming it, and what he's saying publicly, vocally, verbally to them is that he weeps and wails, because you see all of this, it's going to be burned up. You know, you hear those sounds, they're gone. The birds, they're gone. It's going to become a heap of ruins. Now, Again, this is, and you'll forgive me for repeating this, and I'll try not to repeat it again, but I just want to make sure you fully understand this. At the time Jeremiah is speaking this, things are happening, man. I mean, the temple is standing room only. I mean, things are going and growing and glowing, and you've got this doom and gloom preacher over here. It doesn't match up. There seems to be quite a disparity between your message and the reality of what's happening. Look at this temple. Look at these people. Look at the prosperity. You're saying, <laughs> what in the You're saying it's going to become desolate without an inhabitant? Laid bare, burned up, emptied out? Come on. Okay, I feel better now. Verse 12. Does that make sense? I mean, it, it would be like in the midst of, I mean, tremendous prosperity, you've got somebody saying, uh, Here's what's coming. It would be so hard to wrap your mind around that. It's not to excuse it, but rather to explain it, I suppose you could say. Verse 12 has three questions. The first, who is the wise man who may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken that he may declare it? Why, third question, does the land perish and burn up like a wilderness so that no one can pass through? Answer, verse 13, and the Lord said, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but they have walked according to the dictates of their own hearts, and after the Baals, which, this is interesting, their fathers taught them. Ooh, that's how they learned about it. Therefore, verse 15, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood, and give them water of gall to drink. We saw that again prior. This is the second time it's repeated. Verse 16, I will scatter them also among the Gentiles whom neither they nor their fathers have known, and I will send a sword after them until I have consumed them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 17, consider and call for the mourning women that they may come and send for the skillful wailing women that they may come, let them make haste, 
and take up a wailing for us that our eyes may run with tears and our eyelids gush with water. This is a reference to, actually we see it in the New Testament to professional mourners. Did you know that they would actually pay people to come and mourn? <laughs> Man, you can't pay me enough. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't want to apply for that position particularly but they would actually pay them to come and mourn and draw attention to this time of mourning. And that's what this is a reference to. You're not mourning, you're celebrating. You're not considering your partying. This is why whenever I do a memorial service, I always, my go-to is Ecclesiastes, particularly chapter 7. I mean, Solomon writes, I mean at first read it's quite morbid, if you misunderstand it, but he basically says this, it's better to go to a memorial service than it is to go to a wedding. And here's why. Because when you go to a memorial service, you're more introspective and you're more apt to consider the temporal nature of your life in this world. And you're faced with what everyone is faced with, the reality of death and the reality of eternity, and you'll take it to heart. You, you go to a wedding, that's the last thing on your mind. In fact, you'll probably get kicked out of that wedding if you start talking like this at a wedding. <laughs> We're not a, at a memorial service. What are you talking about? And that's what he's saying here, and that's what God has him proclaim here. Verse 19, for a voice of wailing is heard from Zion, how we are plundered. We are greatly ashamed because we have forsaken the land, because we have been cast out of our dwellings. Yet hear the word of the Lord, verse 20, O women, and let your ear receive the word of His mouth. Teach your daughters wailing, and everyone her neighbor a lamentation. For death has come through our windows, has entered our palaces to kill off the children, no longer to be outside. And the young men, no longer on the streets, speak, thus says the Lord, even the carcasses of men shall fall as refuse on the open field like cuttings after the harvester, and no one shall gather them. This carries with it the idea of bundling up the harvest to be gathered and taken in. And the bodies that, how graphic is this? The carcasses of men are going to be like that, except nobody is going to gather them. <laughs> I'm sorry, one last time, but could you imagine you're there, Jeremiah is proclaiming this, these, this temple message, and you're just there at the temple like you're always at the temple, and you're there with your family, and you're going to swing by this one, you know, uh, food truck and buy a shawarma, and you're, you're hearing Jeremiah say this. Kind of ruins your appetite a little bit, doesn't it? Verse 23, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory 
in His riches. Stop right there, verse 23, before we go to verse 24. The implication is the wise men were glorying in their wisdom, and the mighty men were glorying in their might, and the rich men were glorying in their riches. That's what they were doing. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you're enjoying these teachings in the book of Jeremiah, we encourage you to continue following through this series with us and to read on your own, too. God may reveal some things to you that you'll find interesting. In Spirit and Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. He also gives prophecy updates weekly that touch on the things happening right now. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you'd like to access any of these things on our mobile app, you can do that too. Go to the Resources tab on our website. You can download from there. That's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Jeremiah. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. But until then, be thinking about what you heard today, what it meant for the people then, and what it means for you today in the here and now. Come learn what's coming up next here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth.